Acts this morning, if you want to turn there. We're going to jump forward just a bit. We're going to um, be in Acts 16 today. And we're going to uh, uh, just kind of, I'll bring you up to speed on where we, where we are and where we left off. Where we left off, Peter had just been dis, uh, addressing the Jerusalem council about, uh, about Gentiles, non-Jews, coming to Christ, coming to faith in Christ, and receiving the Holy Spirit. This was a, something that the, the, the new church didn't understand, and so it was something that Peter was addressing before the, the council. And, and so the, the council decides that Gentiles should receive the gospel. And they actually do this proclamation, which it, it is not going to be up here behind me. Let me just read it to you. It's in Acts chapter 15, starting at verse 23. From the apostles and the elders, your brothers, to the brothers and sisters among the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, Greetings. Since we have heard that some without our authorization went out from us and troubled you with their words and unsettled your hearts, we have unanimously decided to select men and send them to you along with our dear, dearly beloved Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have sent Judas and Silas, who will personally report the same things by word of mouth. For it is the Holy Spirit's decision and ours not to place further burdens on you beyond those requ- these requirements, that you abstain from food offered to idols, from blood, from eating anything that has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. You will do well if you keep yourselves from these things. Farewell. So they, they, they make this decision that the, the Gentiles should receive the gospel, and they send out these, these guys with this message. Now, in this sending, Paul and Barnabas are together, but then they, they split. Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas wants to bring John Mark along. Paul says, no, he was of no use to me last time. And so they, they split, and Paul actually goes with Silas. And in Acts chapter 16, we see Paul and Silas going out. And so Paul and Silas go to Macedonia. And they preach the gospel there. And, and there's this slave girl that just keeps following them around saying, these men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are the servants of the Most High God. Now, it sounds great, except she just kept doing it. <laughs> she kept following them around, shouting this. And so Paul actually gets annoyed by this. And so he turns to her and tells the demon in her to leave in the name of Jesus Christ. And the demon leaves. Now, this seems like good news, right? It's not, however, for Paul and Silas, because this, the, this girl's master, the slave owner of this slave girl, was using her to make money because she could tell the, the future. She was telling fortunes and things, and so he was making money off this. So when the demon leaves her, she can no longer see the future. She can no longer tell, the fu- tell fortunes. He can no longer make money. On her. So he has Paul and Silas arrested. And the city magistrates of, of the town uh, arrest Paul and Silas, have them beaten with rods, and put them in prison. And that's where we're going to pick up this morning in Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 
25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, Don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. He took them to the same hour, at, at, at the same hour of the night, and washed their wounds. Right away, he and all his family were baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and, and rejoiced because they, he had come to believe in God with his entire household. So this is a great story, and we just sang about, about chain-breaking Miracle making, that's our, that's our God. And, and we, can't, we can't lose sight of that. We can't lose track of that. In the midst of all the trouble that we have in our world today, we cannot lose sight that we serve the God of the impossible. He does the impossible all the time. The impossible is where he lives. And so I wanted to look at this and, and consider the power of praise here. The first thing that we see that, that Paul and, and Silas are doing, they're, they're praising God. They're singing hymns. And, that, and praise shakes walls. Praise shakes walls. Now, hymns in these days are most likely psalms because that was kind of, uh, kind of what they did at the, in the early church was they sang or chanted the psalms. Now, that's, it, that's still what we do. There's still a lot of our praise songs and our worship songs that are quoting from Psalms or Isaiah or Jeremiah. Still, still a lot of praise comes from there. But they're, they're specifically probably in the Psalms, and I think that's, uh, I, I, I often go, this is my, go, my go-to place when I feel weary, when I feel discouraged, when I feel uh, no strength, when I feel weak, this is where I go, the Psalms. Because the Psalms are incredibly powerful, emotive scripture. They, they connect with raw emotion. Psalms are the, uh, I often say, Psalms are the proof that God can handle what you're thinking. Because we, we somehow have this idea that you can't, you can't say, well, I'm frustrated with you, God. That We think that's blasphemy. It's said over and over and over again in the Psalms. David said it. The sons of Korah said it. It's said over and over again. So the Psalms are a, a great go-to place when you are weary, when you are discouraged, when you are disappointed, when you're frustrated with situations or frustrated with God in a situation. Psalms are a great place to go. And, and that, that is probably where they are, is in Psalms. But I think there's another lesson here, and that is that praise shakes walls. I want you to consider for a minute 
what the, situa- the, the, the context of the situation. Are Paul and Silas praising God because everything's going so good? They have just been beaten with rods and thrown in prison for, for casting out a demon and a slave girl, doing a good thing. They have been arrested, beaten with rods, and thrown in prison. This, they're not praising God because they're feeling so, so over, overwhelmingly great about things. They're praising God because they know that's where strength's at. They're praising God because that's, they know it shakes the walls within us. Praise shakes the walls within us. The walls of discouragement, the walls of, of, of disappointment. Praise gives us strength when we're weak. Praise is powerful this way. And it continues to, sh- to shake walls. Praise brings hope when we are hopeless. Because we are, if you think about what happens in praise, we are focused on the God of the impossible. We are focused on, the, on, on a Savior who died in our place, who suffered and died in our place. Praise is powerful. And it shakes the walls. And it also shakes foundations. We see in, in verse 26, that it literally shook the foundations of the prison. Discouragement can be a prison. It, it traps us in. But what is the foundation of our discouragement? What is it that, that, that usually is, is the foundation of why we feel discouraged? Usually it's because we just don't feel the presence of God with us. That, that feels discouraging. But praise brings the presence of God. Psalm 22 says that that God inhabits the praises of his people. Praise brings the presence of God and shakes the foundations of discouragement. Or, Or how about hopelessness? Hopelessness feels like a prison. It feels like everything is closing in on us. It feels like we are behind walls and just can't escape. Praise shakes the foundations of hopelessness because usually hopelessness comes when we are at the end of ourselves, when we have tried everything we can think of and it still hasn't worked. So we get to the point where we are worn out and we are hopeless in our own efforts. And then we praise. And when we praise, we meet the God of the impossible. We meet the God who created everything we know and sustains everything we know. The God who sustains us. We meet that God and shake the foundation of our hopelessness. When we're weary, when we're, we're emotionally or spiritually weary, it shakes, praise can shake the foundations and give us the strength we need like it did for Paul and Silas. Praise shakes foundations. It also, praise also breaks chains. Uh, Paul and Silas, uh, they're, they're singing these hymns and the, and the chains of the prisoners in the cell fall off. Praise can break the chains that hold us back as well. Things like addiction, things like uh, discouragement, things like hopelessness again. These kind of chains that are holding us back, bad habits perhaps. These, these chains that are holding us back can be broken in praise. Because once again, praise leads us to look at the God of the impossible. It look, leads us to look at, at, at who God is, what he has done, is doing, will do, can do. 
Praise is powerful to break chains. Uh, one of my favorite songs, we sang it last week, is Lord, I Need You. And one of the lines in that song is, teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way. Praise can break the chains of temptation. Praise can break chains. Praise also opens doors. Verse 27 talks about the, the, prison, the, the doors to the prison cells being opened when, when Paul and Silas are praising God. We are set free by praise. We are set free because we are now focused not on our own circumstances. We're focused on the God that can do anything. Not on our own strength, but on the almighty God. We are focused away from ourselves and on to God when we praise. And so it opens doors in us. But it also open door, opens other doors. The jailer sees all this happen and says, what must I do to be saved? You know, that, uh, there's, there's a great prevalence of Christian music in our, in our world today. And I love it because it doesn't matter what genre of music you like, you can find it. You can find Christian music in it. You like country, there's, there's Christian country music. You like rock, there's Christian country, or Christian rock. And, and sort of Southern Gospel rock, right? Kind of. You like rap? There's Christian rap, believe it or not. Whatever kind of, of Christian, whatever kind of genre of music you like, you can connect with it in Christian music. And that opens doors in non-believers. To see what praise does to us opens the door in non-believers. It opens the door to, salv to salvation for them. It opens the door to a conversation where they might just ask you, what must I do to be saved? Praise opens doors, not only in us, but in others. You know, there was a, uh, music is powerful. There was a French philosopher who said, let me write the songs of a nation, and I care not who writes its laws. Because he knew that, that the power of music, the power of songs, he knew that it was powerful enough that it didn't matter what the law was. It's still that powerful for either evil or good. It's still that powerful. Songs that, that promote violence and songs that prom promote uh, uh, anarchy do that. They lead to that. Songs that, that promote Christ lead there. So it can be used for good or evil. Let's use praise to open doors. Open the doors to us to accept from God and open the doors to those who do not believe so that they can hear about God. And praise brings healing, and it brings peace. Paul and Silas tell the jailer, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. And, and the jailer responds in faith. And then they go to his house, and they tell the, 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 the word of the Lord, as it says, to his family, and they respond in faith in Christ. And then what does the jailer do? He binds up their wounds and feeds them. Praise can lead to healing and, and to a peace that, as Paul says in, in Philippians 4, 
a peace that surpasses all understanding. We can, we can be in the midst of troubled times like this. We can lift our, our voices in praise. We can lift our hearts in praise and be led to a peace that doesn't make any sense to someone who doesn't know Christ. Peace that, that just transcends the situation we find ourselves in. That's what praise can do. That's the power of praise. It, it shakes walls. If you're feeling trapped, praise God and be set free. It shakes foundations. Consider the foundation of the feeling you have. Discouragement, hopelessness, disappointment, depression. Consider the, the source, the foundation of it, and see how praise shakes that foundation. It breaks chains. The chains of addiction, the chains of, of habits, the chains of, of, of everything that holds us back. Praise breaks chains. It opens doors, not only in us, but in non-believers to hear the word of the Lord. And it brings peace and healing. It binds our wounds and it feeds us and it brings a peace that just transcends the circumstances, transcends the understanding of the non-believer. Praise is powerful. It's powerful. And we see its power right here. In this short little passage, we see the power of praise. So I'm going to have Delaney come back up. Let's praise. We need the power. So I'm going to ask that you stand with us.